Chapter 7 of A Broken Bond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is a recording by Peter Ryan from Melbourne, Australia. A Broken Bond by Nicholas Carter. Chapter 7 Follinsby Hits the Nail. It was a little after eleven o'clock in the morning when a broad shouldered man turned into Amsterdam Avenue and began to move slowly along the pavement, glancing now and then at the houses as he passed. His tanned face suggested that he was a man from a warmer land, and the stubborn chin and hard, sour look about the eyes were mute tokens of the surly temper that ruled the stranger. He was wearing a soft hat with a wide brim, and he had tilted it forward to shade his eyes from the sun. Once he took a slip of paper from his pocket and studied it for a moment. Evidently, he was looking for an address. Presently, he caught sight of what he sought, the big bulk of St. Swithin's Hospital, which occupied an entire block. He quickened his pace and approached the great building. In the reception room, however, a disappointment awaited him. When he asked for Dr. Stephen Follinsby, he was told that that distinguished individual had not yet arrived at the hospital that day. But after some argument, he obtained Follinsby's private address, which proved to be also on Amsterdam Avenue, and not more than half a dozen blocks away. The stranger retraced his steps, therefore, and sought the new number. He soon found it over the door of a house that was one of a row of solid, but by no means impressive residences. A maid admitted him, and asked if he had an appointment with the doctor. When informed that he had not, she invited him into the empty reception room and told him Dr. Follinsby was busy, but that he would be free in a few minutes. The visitor seated himself, picked up a magazine, and began mechanically glancing it over. After ten or fifteen minutes, the folding doors at the rear of the reception room were open, and a patient emerged. Over the latter's shoulder, the waiting man caught a glimpse of the stern, repellent figure in the doorway. The caller rose expectantly, but before he had a chance to step forward, or utter a word, he was greeted in an unexpected, almost uncanny fashion. "'Come in, Mr. Stone,' were the words which came from the man in the doorway. With a start, James Stone grasped his hat and stepped forward. He could not imagine by what black art the master of the house knew his name, and he eyed his host apprehensively as he passed him and entered the room beyond. He was doubtless face to face with the famous Dr. Stephen Follinsby, but it was hard indeed to believe it. The man before him could not have been more than five feet high. His head was as bare as a billiard ball and curiously elongated in shape. The vulture-like face, the almost fringeless eyelids, and the long, thin, hawk-like nose held him mute. Into the black beady eyes there flickered a sudden mirth, and the thin lips twisted into what was the ghost of a smile. "'It's all right, Stone,' the extraordinary individual declared. "'You've come to the right place. You may not think it, but I am Dr. Follinsby.' Was it possible? The man looked like some sinister bird of prey, and yet he was the head of a celebrated hospital, and enjoyed the most enviable reputation as an authority whose fame was countrywide. In response to a gesture from Follinsby, the visitor dropped into a chair close beside a small desk that stood by a window. The specialist crossed the room with quick, bird-like steps and took his seat behind the desk. In the momentary pause that followed, the two men eyed each other, 
but what their thoughts were remained their respective secret at least stone could not read the physicians you expected to see someone very different i suppose follinsby remarked with a mocking smile a big well-groomed figurehead with an impressive manner and a carefully trimmed van dyke beard confess now stone relaxed and laughed it was a short grating laugh and the physician's eyes dilated slightly as he heard it it was hardly the laugh of a sane person and as follinsby leaned forward he noted that the pupils of stone's eyes were fixed and round a sign which the initiated always searches for in mental cases that's about it the visitor admitted in his harsh voice the young man who spoke to me about you told me that you were head of a big hospital and i've just been there i understand he said i can assure you that your friend was quite correct as you've doubtless found out for yourself if you've been to st swithin's i've never been called handsome but i haven't found that a drawback and i suspect that you didn't come to see me for my looks did you have a pleasant voyage on the cortez stone looked at him in open-mouthed amazement what do you know about me he demanded you nearly floored me by calling me by my name and now you oh that isn't all i know about you follinsby assured him maliciously i can tell you about the condor mine and of your partner winthrop crawford or shall we call him your ex-partner i know that you and he recently sold the condor for a million and that you have both come back to your old stomping ground after an absence of a quarter of a century or so i know several other things too but we won't speak of them just yet stone bit his lip and paled a little under his tan well i'll be hanged he muttered i suppose floyd must have written to you about me how in thunder you knew me though when i came in is more than i can understand who may floyd be queried follinsby as if he had never heard the name before his visitor looked at him in bewilderment but again failed to read that baffling countenance why he's the young american doctor down in brazil who advised me to come to you he explained wonderingly he said he had studied under you in medical school indeed that's very interesting murmured the specialist hundreds of young men have studied under me however i suppose i might say thousands it is gratifying to be remembered by one of them of course but i cannot be expected then how in the world let's not waste time over the things out of our immediate concern Follinsby interrupted please remember that my time is valuable very valuable you seem to be slow in getting the point i'll help you out i happen to know the nature of your errand but i am perfectly well aware that your heart isn't in it your real desires are of a very different sort isn't that so james stone looked alarmed as well he might his conscience was by no means clear and the conversation seemed to be getting on decidedly dangerous ground i don't know what you're talking about he faltered moistening his lips dr floyd had a full notion that i was going crazy or something like that i naturally didn't take very kindly to the idea but i was more or less under obligations to him and he was so insistent that i promised to look you up he said you would help me of course i don't think i need any help of that sort but i'm a man of my word and that's why i'm here very commendable murmured the head of st swithin's dr boyd or whatever his name is was quite right i can help you in more ways than one and i perceive that what you really want is to be rid of your former partner winthrop crawford have i hit the nail on the head a meaning smile crossed the sinister face 
and Follinsby leaned back in his chair, the glance from his hard little eyes playing over his caller's face. End of chapter 7 This is a recording by Peter Ryan from Melbourne, Australia.